This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I welcome you to another episode of Taking It to the House. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover. Welcome to Taking It to the House. My quick burn today is more of an observation. Um, we've been talking some about this election season and the fact that there's a runoff in Georgia. And across my social media, I saw that some of the Atlanta Dream team members were um, campaigning for one of the candidates in the Senate race, Warnock, which, you know, everyone is free to uh, support whoever they want to support. But when I learned that the other candidate in that race, Leffler, is actually the owner of that team, y'all, I just laughed. The fact that as an owner of a team, you know, you've got money into this team. You are the top dog in that organization. And not only are they supporting that candidate, your uh, your competitor, but they're actually vocally, you know, putting it on their social media. Yeah, she might own the team, but we don't like her. Um, that just made me laugh really hard. And I mean, if you can't count on your own uh, players, who can you count on? Tim, what's on your mind? I had not heard that. And so thank you, Jania, for sharing that with me. My What's on my mind is Sarah Fuller uh, and Vanderbilt's football team, NCAA football team, for Sarah Fuller to take the courage to accept the offer for the from the coach to be the kicker, to first female kicker to score in a uh, football game. So I applaud you for the courage, coach for thinking outside the box, for Vanderbilt, for doing something where we would call like a glass ceiling where other girls can see a female excelling in a men's sport or a boy's sport, call it whatever you want. But I, I had three girls and I'm so thankful to see other girls excelling. So that's what's on my mind. It's great to hear. Uh, as a proud girl dad who is a soccer player, uh, and she loves watching football. That is encouraging. That's inspiring. Again, uh, we're, it's 2020. It's sad that we have so many firsts, but it's great that we can congratulate these firsts. And again, congratulations, Sarah Fuller. Uh, my burn uh, is a caveat or a build upon from last week. Uh, we spoke about the firing of Matt Patricia, and we talked about let's put an end to this archaic way of leadership for coaches. Uh, this Bobby Knight era, fire, brimstone, yelling, hitting, abusing players. I wish that was the last time I had to say that. And when I spoke about it, I was more referring to the collegiate level and professional level. Who would have thought I'd have to be talking about it this week again at the APYFL or at the local level, American Youth Football level? If you all have not seen the situation that occurred in Florida uh, within the last week, there's videos all around social media. A nine-year-old was abused or slapped or hit. It's on video by his coach. I don't know what the kid do, did, but whatever he did did not warrant a grown man walking over, slapping him not once but twice to the second time, landing him on the ground because he didn't get a play right. The sad thing about this, the mother of the child did not want to press charges. 
she said the apology she received was was okay. But of course, with this world of social media, uh, social outcry, uh, there was charges eventually placed. The other thing is we look more into the story. The coach worked at a sheriff's department as a correctional, as a counselor in a detention center. So here it is, we're looking at having positive male role models to teach these young youth. But this man is involved in the community and he takes some level of venom and 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 abuses a child on the on the field. And some may say tough love. There's no excuse for that. Let's put it into that. Eventually, uh, it occurred that uh, the man lost his job. Of course, statements were put out. But again, enough of enough is enough. When can we stop looking at that as some type of inspiring leadership? Let's go ahead and get with the times. There's other ways to motivate our players. Other ways to uh, the build uh, esprit de corps. And that definitely was not it. And for a nine-year-old, and if to that mother, that's shame on you. Absolutely, I can't even. I can't imagine anything like that happening. So I'm glad that they were able to um, to deal with that. But there's no place for that in in youth sports. And like you said, Victor, there's really no place for that at any level of sports. But professionally speaking. We had NFL action and actually some of the games were really good. And particularly that Monday night game. So I'll be honest, I have three fantasy football teams and I had a, um, a vested interest in uh, the outcome of this game and not specifically just the outcome, but on my team, I had Kareem Hunt who was one of the running backs for the Browns. And my opponent had Nick Chubb, who was another running back for the Browns. Going into the game, I was down, I think, two points. So I needed Kareem Hunt to get more points than Nick Chubb. And I think on like the second play of the game or the second you know minute of the game, Nick Chubb scored. So I was like, oh, my goodness. Then he ended up scoring again. I thought it was game over. I had told I, you know, I told my other manager, I was like, look, we're out of this. We're not going to make it. We're not going to advance in the playoffs. And I took it to my room. I was like, I can't watch this. And I was just reading, minding my business. My little brother, he's in California. So he was still watching live and he starts texting and he's like, yo, this is this is nice. You might want to turn this back on. So. That was my take. And actually with Kareem Hunt scoring, that made me win against my opponent for the first time this season and advance in the playoffs. But um, on that other side, what was what was your take? Victor, I know that's your team. What what did you think? <laughs> I, I just finally picked up my heart off the, the ground this morning. I, I can tell you, we, as I speak for the Ravens, yes, we. Um, yeah, I love them when they win, love them when they lose. I get upset just like anybody else. So I'm going to call them weak because I still had that emotional attachment when they don't perform. When I saw what we've had to endure the last few weeks, and you know, I have, I pulled no punches. They're a hot mess. I just felt something was off. But when we still also look even more deeper, 23 players were impacted by COVID over the last few weeks. To include uh, minutes before the Cowboy game when Des Bryant ident was identified as positive. So within the last few weeks, a lot of trials and tribulations that the Ravens had overcome. So that means you're not practicing. 
That means you're losing some level of conditioning. So, of course, we have no other options right now but to win out. And to be already in third place in the AFC North looking up to the Browns, this game was key. The Browns are hot. I'm not going to pull any punch. The Browns are looking great. Their running game is dangerous. It's a two-headed monster with Kareem Hunt and, and, and Nick Chubb. So here you have the Ravens coming off of a very difficult two or three weeks battling COVID. The running backs were uh, running backs on our tight ends were most impacted by the COVID outbreak in locker room. We had the leading rushing team in the league. So it was a battle back and forth. It was great. And I was, I was in. We make the comeback in the fourth quarter. And this is probably what I've been most frustrated with for the year with the Ravens. We're normally known as a great defensive team. Ray Lewis said years ago, just give us 14 points and we'll take care of the rest. That's all they needed. You come into the fourth quarter, this is not the first time this has happened. That you're up by 14 points and you have a chance to almost lose it? That I don't understand that. That is, that is perplexing. And we have a great-looking defense. Something's still missing. So as, the, as you're excited about the fantasy side and all this back and forth, my heart is starting to jump out. Not to mention the returning MVP, Lamar Jackson, goes out for about four minutes of the game. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. He goes out for the game. You bring in the backup, and backup do what backups do, unless your name is Jalen Hurts. And we're getting threes and outs, threes and outs, threes and outs, and it's not looking good. And the Browns are capitalizing off of each one of these turnovers. So to have that game come down to the kicker uh, and we come out victorious, again, that was a big game. Because if we lost that game, playoff chances are pretty much gone. But all of that, we swept uh, the Browns, meaning we beat them the first time earlier this year. Now we beat them again. So very intense game. Uh, hopefully we can build off that momentum. We still got a very favorable schedule the next couple of weeks that we can at least secure a playoff spot. But every game matters. Uh, no one's scared of us anymore. So we have to come out there and bring it and, uh, and become a complimentary football team that matches our, our leading rushing but also need to get that passing game up. And defense got to show up. Wow, what a game. I didn't, one, Jania, I didn't have a fantasy stake in this, no. Uh, Vic, the Ravens are not my team. But I was, as a fan, just looking at this game and was looking at uh, NFL, relative, relative NFL football game. The last couple of weeks, we've been on the NFL about the product that they put out there. Well, I didn't feel that product lacking on Monday. I felt like it was a good game and there was a lot at stake. One, I thought Cleveland needed it because they need respectability. I still think nobody's taking them serious. So they feel as though the Ravens are weak, they're vulnerable, and they wanted to take advantage of them. The Ravens are full of pride. And they came out, as you say, feeling like this matters. I got to win. We got to win. We got to win out for respectability. And they play like they need to, like their life depended on it, their playoff life depended on it. So what a game. The intensity on defense, we heard good hitting. So many points were scored, but still I thought the defense was some good defense. Then the offense, Baker Mayfield, I don't have a lot of respect for you off the field, but you're making me respect you for what you're doing on the field because you're changing your game. And so I thought you did a great job in your leadership position as a quarterback because you were not forcing anything. You were taking what the defense was giving you and you were moving the Browns up and down the field and you were scoring and you were behind and you led them to a comeback. So kudos to you, Baker Mayfield. But the Ravens, 
Lamar, they don't come from behind. They're 0 for when they come from behind. They're a front-running team. But to come from behind this game with this much at stake, I say salute to you, sir. You came out from whatever. Some people, the internet, they're vicious. Uh, they say cramping officially. <laughs> There's other things that have been said that he was doing back in the back, but we'll go with the cramping, okay? But to come back and the very per first play, fourth and five, fourth and five, and you throw a touchdown. Lamar, this, is, this had theater. This had Hollywood. This had everything behind it, and you came through. The guy who dropped two other uh, passes, Hollywood Brown, you finally come through when you're needed most, and your team wins. Well, not on that play alone, but Tucker had to kick the field goal to win the game. So it had a lot of theater to it. I was excited as a fan. No other stake than just being a fan. So NFL, maybe you're getting it right. Maybe you're getting it right because as far as I know, both teams were at full capacity. There were no COVID-related uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Other than normal injuries, but it was at full capacity, each team, and you play the game as though everything mattered. So that's what I get from that particular game. And a lot of people are saying the best Monday night football game ever played. I think it's one of those that's uh, ranked very high in my lifetime. So speaking of teams that you're not expecting to talk about at this point in the season, unless we're talking about how high of a draft pick they're going to get in reference to the Browns. How about the Buffalo Bills? I mean, yeah. I feel like they've been trash almost as long as I've been alive. You know, I, I heard and I, I was probably alive for, you know, the Jim Kelly days and and them, you know, doing well and being in the dance, you know, multiple times. But since I've been playing and paying attention to football, they really haven't done a whole lot. And I can't lie, when I watch them, it still kind of surprises me. Like, I still expect them to not be good. And then I'm surprised when, when they are good. And they're really clicking on, on all cylinders. So they've definitely impressed me. I saw that they've got the first division title since 1995. So how do y'all feel about Buffalo? I remember the 90s Buffalo Bills team, and I did not like them. Uh, they were really good. Uh, I just didn't like the Bills. I, I was, you know, at that time, I, I liked NFC teams. So, uh, but they were the greatest team not to win a Super Bowl. They were dangerous. They were skilled. I mean, I can name the names now with the, you know, Jim Kelly's and uh, Andre Reed's and then Daryl Talley's, Bruce Smith's. I mean, those guys, Thurman Thomas. I mean, there's no reason when you look back at that lineup, why they did not win the Super Bowls, the problem is they ran up against some monsters in the NFC. The Cowboys, the Niners, the, uh, the Giants. You know, they're one field goal away. Scott Norwood wide right from a Super Bowl. So they were that team. But to your point, that was 25 years ago when they last won that division. And because the a AFC East has been so dominated by the Patriots over the last 20 years. It is easy to forget the other teams even exist in that division. And I spoke about last week, the Jets only won four titles since they've been around in the 60s. And the 80s belonged to the Miami Dolphins. The 90s belonged to the Buffalo Bills and then the Patriots. 
have been successful. And the problem with the Buffalo Bills to that other side is they didn't win any Super Bowls in the 90s. So it's kind of hard to even be part of that, oh, you're the greatest team. Because you didn't win the Super Bowls. You made it. You're always AFC champions, but they didn't do anything when they got to the show. So it's easy to be lost when you uh, bookmark them between what uh, what Miami Dolphins were able to do with Dan Marino and then what, obviously, with New England Patriots. But knowing that they've been ineptitude for the last 20-plus years, it is hard when you watch them play. And I'm always wondering, all right, when's the shoe going to drop? You all are not back yet. So, and even on our show, we never even listened to them in power rankings because there's that team you're just waiting for them to get mollywhopped by someone. But it's late in the season. You spoke about last week, Jania, that good teams get better as the season goes on. And they are getting better, and they're scary. And they told the Steelers, you all, please forget about us. Please forget about us Bills over here. Because they went upside the Steelers' head like they stole something. And it was quite impressive. So I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I'm, I'm also excited this for the AFC East in general because you have two teams that are performing between the Bills and this resurgence of the Miami Dolphins. But the Buffalo Bills look like they're ready to play. And they will be something to deal with come the playoff time. Yeah, the rise of the Bills coincides with Tom Brady going south to Tampa Bay to warmer climates. So let's be clear. Uh, would they have as much success if the New England Patriots were intact with Tom Brady? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But it's safe to say we know while Tom Brady was in New England, the NFC East was the Patriots. But we got to give the Bills credit. New coach, new culture. A young quarterback who they actually gave the reins to, the car keys to, and they're saying, we're going to ride with you until the wheels fall off. And he's taking his craft very seriously. So new coach, new culture, and a quarterback with skills. Came out, he's a little brash, a little rough, a little raw, but yet look at what he's doing. And he and they were showing him how he's breaking down his own mechanics, throwing mechanics, hips, how he's actually maybe more on target now and who does that after they arrived? Well, somebody who's don't think they've arrived and who think they have more to achieve. So with a quarterback who's, again, I said by, last year, by position, he is a leader and a new coach to Vic's point. He's not a yeller, not a screamer, but just you can trust and believe. He's just as intense inside, kind of a Tony Dungy type and intense and attention to detail that they, the Buffalo Bills, can succeed. They have a great defense, have had a uh, great defense last year. The defense dropped off a little bit this year. That's okay. But the offense, defense, and then you add special teams, when all three faces are clicking together, you are going to make some noise in the NFC. Excuse me, in the AFC. I apologize. But in the AFC, when we talk about power rankings, you're still the Bills. You still got Pittsburgh over there if we talk about power rankings. But you have the Kansas City Chiefs you still got to deal with. But you've got to start somewhere. So, Bills – Keep doing what you're doing. The culture has changed, and you're making uh, you're making everybody take notice of you. So good to you. Good for you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned the Steelers, but to be honest with you, they're not even worth talking about this week. So we're going to go ahead and just switch off of football altogether. Um, I've talked to a couple of my friends that are Steelers fans, and they don't have good excuses, so we don't need to make any for them either. Now, switching to the NBA, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. What do y'all think about uh, Giannis? And just what? I think the, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the 
the richest contract in NBA history? For the NBA, for Milwaukee, I'm glad he stayed. The team needs him, the town needs him, and there provides somewhat of a balance versus all LA, all Boston, all Miami, Golden State, whatever. So they're provide a little bit of balance. So congratulations, Giannis, for signing this Supermax contract. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, because you you will be relevant as long as he's there. Congratulations to the signing to the Milwaukee Bucks to the Drew Holidays and the other additions that you made this particular year. You failed last year in the bubble. You're supposed to have been competing with the Lakers or the Los Angeles Clippers, but the Lakers held up their end of the bargain. You're supposed to be coming out of the East and playing for the uh, NBA championship. You did, you failed last year. With this signing, Giannis, you got to make it out of the second round. You need to go on, Giannis. You need to put the team on your back. You need to continue to evolve. You need a jump shot. You need a mid-range, and you need to be able to put these people on your back and play significant minutes into the fourth quarter and dominate. I'm not talking about MVP. I'm talking about when the time counts. They say when you score points, when do you score those points? Do you score those points in the the first uh, quarter, or do you score them in the fourth quarter? How are you playing? Are you playing hard in the first quarter? Are you playing hard in the fourth quarter? I need dominance. I need you to put your imprint on the game when it matters most. And when your team is failing, when they look to you, you need to lead them. I'm not talking about dunking all the time. I'm like, do whatever it takes, do whatever you need for your team to succeed. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you're making your money, Milwaukee Bucks. Now let's see what you're going to do now, Giannis. So Vic, uh, I'm happy for anybody that makes some money, but to me, everybody's overpaid. When we got teachers out there that are underpaid, that's just me. But we're, uh, that's the system that we're living in. That's the system that we're living in. I got to live with it. I got to deal with it. I got to soak it up. But what do you think? I, I, I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy for him. But I think they're three seasons away from being the Houston Rockets of the East. Be- I say that because Giannis is great. So is James Harden. MVPs. Good scoring. But can you win the championship? I don't know what his supporting cast is. I'm glad they secured him again, to your point. Let's make sure we take care of these small markets. But when you don't have, you're not able to bring those other star players to play alongside you. That was LeBron James' challenge early on in Cleveland. Who wants to come to Milwaukee to play? Again, beautiful city, I'm sure. I've never been there. But that will be the challenge. Because look at the others, look at those other monsters in the East. The Nets. We know they're coming with it. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We already know the Celtics. We know the Miami Heat. So that's three teams right there that have a shot to make it all the way. And let's not forget about Toronto. Those guys are scary. So what are you going to do, Giannis? Becoming the richest player in the NBA means you got that comes with a, a large responsibility. And are you ready for the critique? Are you ready for the numerous bad press? When you don't win the game at coach time, that's the new level with this money comes those type of problems. Are you leading your team when they need you most? Or are you disappearing? I like what you talked about. First quarter, first quarter versus fourth quarter. What type of player? Cause now you have to elevate. You show your MVP. Got it. Are you a champion? Again, I don't think so. We're talking about three more seasons. The Lakers got at least one more championship in them. 
I like to say the next three years, but I, I look at those teams in the East uh, who's reloaded. They're not the same teams from last year. These are different constructed teams. The Nets, again, did not even have KD or uh, Kyrie playing last year. So it's not the same teams the Bucks are going to face. And so very interested, happy for them to get paid. But, again, they're three seasons away from being the Houston Rockets of the East. The call. Okay. The call. So you referenced him, Victor. We've been hearing a lot about James Harden in the news lately. And what what, what, are, what do we think about him? I mean, every time I hear a headline or I see something that relates to him, it's never positive. It's not good. Like, what are we doing with that? Tim? I'm disappointed that we even talk about him to this way. I'd, I'd rather talk about what you're doing on the court, uh, honestly. But there's more going on off the court that's more narrative about what's going on off the court to include uh, – who he's wanted in, who he's wanted out, who he can play with, who he can't play with, Kardashians years in the past. So let's talk about what he's doing on the court. Silence for a reason. He came in out of shape. He doesn't appear to want to play for the Houston Rockets. I say Houston Rockets, you do have a problem. Houston, you do have a problem. You brought in Chris Paul. You brought in Westbrook and they're both gone. What are you gonna do now, Mr. James Harden? You wanna be traded? Houston has done everything for you to make Houston be relevant and good, and you are a hamstring away from being in the championship. So Harden, I'm disappointed, because uh, with he was one that had signed a max deal not too long ago. He was the richest NBA player. And to your point of it, he was to lead. He was to lead. We'll look at him now. Scrutiny has followed him ever since. And you haven't been able to win the championship. So, Mr. James Harden, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to know what you're going to do on the court versus what you're doing on the court right now. What I'm hearing off the court is sad. Abracadabra, abracadabra. Poof. James Harden is also known as the disappearing act. The greatest magic trick ever performed in the NBA. What has he done? They have done everything they could for the Houston Rockets to ensure that he has success. You One, they took the risk on him coming out of OKC as not even a starter. They made him the starter. Yes, he puts up great numbers. So they put him up with him and Dwight Howard. That experiment failed. Him with uh, Chris Paul, CP3. That experiment failed. Now they, they form him up with his previous a close friend of his, Russell Westbrook, last year, that experiment failed. So, as you said, Houston, we've got a problem. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. He is probably a number two. So, if he is traded, he cannot expect to be treated as the number one. He is aging himself out of being relevant to lead a team to a championship. Again, when he does have the opportunity, he has disappeared. You need to have a reliable person that can lead that team. I, if I'm if I'm Houston and they've already already in the process of blowing it up, they've already lost their more, who was their GM, uh, who really constructed that team. Let them go. Cut your losses, rebuild. Again, they were trying to go up against Golden State. They lost against that dynasty. The Lakers have been able to reload. The Clippers have reloaded. So they just don't have the opportunity anymore. I say cut your losses if you're Houston. The start start fresh again. The James Harden experiment has failed. So I'm not surprised what he does off off uh, off court right now because it's a sign of what he couldn't do on court. He's pouting. 
He's he's frustrated, but you were the leader. And now you're leading by example and you're showing us, was that who you were in the locker room as well? Because one of these things seems consistent over that time that they have, which is him. So uh, Houston, we got a problem. I say, go ahead and erase that problem, trade him, try to get what you can out of him. But you're definitely not coming out of West anytime soon. Definitely not coming out. All right. That sounded like a mic drop to me. So time really flies when you're having fun. And um, it is definitely that time. So I think for my final burn, again, it's a shout out. Kudos. Uh, and it's for Jalen Hurts. I'll be honest, when I saw that he was getting the start against the Saints, I was like, oh, man, why do they have to do it to him? You know, why do they have to do that to him? He's going to go out there. The Saints defense is going to smack him around. And then they're going to use that as a part of his narrative. They're going to say that he doesn't deserve to be out there. And I didn't watch the game. I was watching a different one at that time. But I kept seeing the, the score and I was impressed. And then when I did watch the highlights later on, I said, okay, Jalen, you, you put, you know, you put me in my place. Um, I hope that this is a sign of the changing of the guard in Philadelphia, because we've seen over and over again, that Wentz again, continuing that theme, not that guy. So kudos to you, Jalen Hurts. It is ironic how baseball season has ended. Yet they're making some great home runs in this off season. I applaud baseball for really recognizing that the Negro League should be considered the major leagues. So many great uh, African-American baseball players made the transition to the uh, Major League Baseball and excelled. Yet the, the Negro League was always referred to or was considered or seemed like it was less than stellar baseball. And so for the league to make an announcement recently that they want to recognize the Negro League as a major league uh, is quite significant. Continue pushing the ball forward for progress and recognition. Uh, those are some great men that made some tremendous strides within the Negro League and eventually leaping over to Major League Baseball. And their historic accomplishments need to be formally recognized. And kudos to baseball. To the fans out there, not just taking to the house fans, but all our sports fans, this is the time to double down. What am I talking about? Double down on your hand sanitizing, washing your hands, social distancing, please wearing your mask. Double down now. If we want to be able to attend those games that we truly love, we need to take this serious. Do not waver now, vaccine or not. Let's take care of ourselves. Do what's smart and double down on your responsibilities. Thank you. We'll see you next week on Taking It to the House. I'm Dr. Hergen, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm sorry about that. Messed up. <laughs> Thanks, Leah. That was good. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm good. All right. Lost, lost our audio. Uh-oh. There we go. Steve was slow on the trigger. That's okay. Oh, okay. So, um... <laughs> la, 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 la. Get it. Still got the KFC. I want to say KFC. Did not, I almost say KFC. But you have the...